Welcome to Small Business Marketing, Then, and Now. A conversation with small business owners on how they marketed the launch of their business, the evolution since then and how they have pivoted during this COVID-19 period. Brought to you by Profit Master Business Solutions. More leads, more sales, and more revenue for your small or medium-sized business. Click findnewrevenue.com to learn more. Now here's your host, Howard Walpoff. Welcome to Small Business Marketing Then and Now. I'm Howard Walpuff, your host. We're going to have a conversation about small businesses, how and why they launched, what they did to market themselves, what they did as the business is growing to market the business, and what kind of pivots they may have been doing now during this COVID-19 environment. This is all going to be brought to you by Profit Master Business Solutions. To find out more, click on findnewrevenue.com, and I'm excited to get our podcast started. So today, we are really going to be talking about your financial prosperity and some of your mental prosperity and just being in the right mindset. We have a really incredible guest with us. He is Joel Solomon. He is the Chief Prosperity Officer at Salomore Prosperity Coaching. He's someone who helps others overcome obstacles standing in the way of their financial freedom. Joel published The Nine Money Rules Millionaires Use, Only the Unconventional Ones, which was a bestseller in both the self-help and personal finance. In 2018, he published Mindful Money Management, Memoirs of a Hedge Fund Manager, which also was a bestseller. He's an award-winning speaker and frequent podcast guest, and he's led 11 workshops teaching the concepts of how to overcome limiting beliefs, and he is a very experienced money manager working for some really large-scale companies and creating some numbers that would make your head spin for the company and for his clients. Joel, really welcome to the conversation. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Howard. It's a real great pleasure to be here. So you have a really varied experience of your background and your path to where your focus is now. So why don't you share with us a little bit about how your business life got started? I started my career as an actuary, and you may know the difference between an actuary and an accountant. Right? I tell people an actuary looks at his feet when they talk to you, an accountant looks at your feet when they talk to you. They say an accountant is an actuary with charisma, but normally what actuaries do is they calculate the premiums you have to pay for your insurance policy, if it's life insurance or health insurance or disability or auto or home. So I was doing that for a life insurance company for a number of years, but when it came time to study the last exam, it was all on investments, and I really enjoyed that particular exam. There were 10 exams and finished up and realized my true passion wasn't actuarial science, but it was investing. And so I finally, I got talked to a number of actuaries. I finally found one who actually was on Wall Street and he gave me the path that he took to get there. And long story short, I, I got to the buy side uh, where I was actually investing money. I worked for a small hedge fund and then I worked for Citigroup as a hedge fund manager, which was my dream. It took me 15 years, but I got there. And then Citigroup shut down the whole business in 2012 when a law was passed that said that banks can't own hedge funds. And I started my own hedge fund. And that was really my true dream. And so I did that for about four years when I had an epiphany that my true purpose was not to be a hedge fund manager, but actually to teach. And so I I literally went into my office and 
sent an email to my investors telling them I'm shutting down my fund and I'm giving them their money back because I found my true purpose. And starting in 2016, that it, now that took a while. It not, you know, my lawyer was very upset at me uh, because <laughs> you can't just send an email to your investors telling them they're shutting it down. There's a legal process involved. So it took all of 2016, but towards the end of 2016, I got the chance to actually start this new business, coaching people. And so that's what I'm doing. I've been doing that for, I guess, about three and a half years now. I, I teach people how to change their mindset around money from limiting beliefs to empowering beliefs, from lack and scarcity to abundance and prosperity. I teach people about investments, how to invest, what's a bond, what's a stock, what's real estate, what's cryptocurrency, and how to invest. I have in my book, The Nine Money Rules, that you mentioned, a five-step proprietary stock screen. I have in my book as well a seven-step real estate screen to invest in real estate. I want to make it easy for people to know that they can do it themselves. That's actually rule number eight of the nine money rules, DIY investing. And then I also teach people about personal finance. You know, a lot of people are struggling these days. Their businesses are struggling. You know, I'm, I'm a math guy. So it's all about, you know, what's your business plan? What are the different scenarios uh, you're looking at? And can you really make real money in this business? So I, I teach all of that as well. Um, and, you know, personal finance, how to, how to get out of debt, how to consolidate credit cards, what's your credit score, how to improve your credit score, and of course, how to get to your financial freedom number quicker. So looking back at the beginning of this, obviously, really amazing path that you were able to walk on, was Citibank doing you a favor in your mind at the time? Or were you kind of really disturbed over this change of, of, of course for you? Oh, they did me a favor. Uh, I, I tell people my true dream was having my own company. And uh, actually, I think on my website, I say something like, you know, Citigroup gave me the kick in the butt to start my own fund. And it was truly a dream of mine to be an entrepreneur. But everyone I talked to, all my friends growing up, they just, we got jobs at companies. And, you know, 30 years ago. I don't know if that's changed. I seem to meet more entrepreneurs because I am now, but I, I, I don't know exact percentages, but I, I feel like more and more people want to be or are entrepreneurs now than they were 30 years ago. And it's probably true. Uh, I think it's more open to, to be that. I think it was people looked at you in a, in a, in a strange way at times 30 years ago with uh, the, the decisions and the path that they're choosing to make. But now there's communities for entrepreneurs, there's, there's teachings and trainings for entrepreneurs. So it, it's really open and out there, which definitely helps the process more now. But a lot of times when companies will make changes like that, or you start, or people who start their own hedge funds, there's limitations. You're not allowed to take clients from one to the other. But with them closing, did that help you get your start? Did you were able to bring people on immediately or were you developing a new clientele? knew I had to raise money myself. Uh, So here's the complete story. I did look for another job right after I got laid off. In fact, I I was working with an analyst. I was the portfolio manager and, and he was the analyst. And I told him when I hired him two years earlier in 2010, 
that if anything happened, because we knew things were kind of uncertain that at Citigroup that I would find him a job. Like I would find a job for us. And when we got laid off and after, you know, in the beginning of 2012, started looking for jobs for both of us and not finding anything quickly, I, I told them, you know what, I really want to start my own company. I'd, I'd hire you. And he said, well, how long is that going to take? I said, well, you know, I have to raise money. It's, it's probably all of 2012. He said, I can't, I can't afford to be out of work for a year. My wife's pregnant with twins. You know, I, I can't afford to do that. So I said, okay, I'll help you find a job for both of us. And so we, I, for a few months, I looked for jobs for both of us. And you have no idea how happy I was when he called me up in July and told me, Joel, I found a job. Because that freed me up to actually start my company because I felt responsible for him. That's understandable. It definitely says a lot about you in the process as well. Um, so once you got the funding, um, what, really what was your first step in, uh, in starting the hedge fund? So let, let's step, step back a, a few steps first because the – in 2012, what I did was I was analyzing and investing in insurance companies mostly. So I went out to those insurance companies who, as probably you know, and most of your listeners know, have a lot of money. Uh, they're investing your, your money and, and they, they have hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars. So, you know, give me, give me 100 million, you know, give me 300 million. That's not much for you. And so I went around to talk to insurance companies who I had invested in, who I were enamored with from the other side, like I was investing in their company. And I got a couple of companies who orally agreed to give me money. So I went out and started the process and hired my lawyer and hired an accountant and an auditor all the service providers I needed, a fund administrator, my broker. I even moved into prime real estate space on 52nd and Madison Avenue. I could actually see from my window, window Madison Avenue. I felt like I'd arrived. I was there. I had achieved my dream. And so settled into this office, window view, room for eight people. Of course, it was just me, but now I'm thinking big. And call up these two insurance companies after I moved into my office, December 17, 2012. And the first one said, Oh, Joel, we found another hedge fund we want to invest in. And the second one said, you know what? We decided we're not going to invest in hedge funds right now. I was like, what? Both you, you guys orally agreed to give me money. What are you talking about? And no matter what, I, I couldn't convince them. And so I had no pipeline. I had, those were real significant amounts of money. Sure and I had were. no pipeline. I had stopped marketing months ago because I had been working on all the service providers. So I, I took a leap of faith and I hired my analyst and we started what I call now acting as if. So we acted as if we had already raised all that money. And what we did was, so I hired him, which was one way of acting as if. 
I had morning calls with them and we talked about companies that we were quote unquote invested in. And we went out to conferences and met with those companies. We had calls with the CFOs, the chief financial officers of those companies. And I did something even more crazy. I put together a spreadsheet and I calculated how much money we had made on the stocks we were invested in every day. And I would, at the end of the day, I'd say, hey, Sean, great day, good job. Or, Sean, we got we to gotta move this portfolio around. We're losing money two, three days in a row here. Come on, let's go. Let's come up with some better ideas. And we did this day after day, you know, with acting as if we had the money, calculating the profit and the loss every day. And the end of January, we had a good meeting with the potential investor. Now, I wasn't just sitting in my office and, and pretending. I was actually going out and meeting with potential investors as well, of course, and banging the phones, begging for, you know, begging for dollars. And we had that good meeting. And then 60 days later, we actually had a written agreement. And three months later, we had the money to invest. And I truly believe today by acting as if we had the money, we got the money. Now, were you able to use that spreadsheet as justification of your, your skills and abilities? Or is that just no. part of the practice? No, but I, I did have, I did have 2008, 9, 10, and 11 at Citigroup, which was not audited performance, but it, my, my manager at the time gave all the portfolio managers before he left the performance. And so we, we, I had that to show potential investors when I went out, but it was unaudited. So that was a question mark in their minds. And the other big question mark they had was, Joel, you had the whole infrastructure of Citigroup behind you, and now you're doing it on your own. How can you get the same type of returns? Because we made money in 2008. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned that, but we made 2000 money in 2008. You may remember the stock market was down 40%. Now I was investing only in financial stocks and financial stocks were down 57%. And we, we made money investing only in financial stocks, 2008, 2009, we did a lot better. We were up 25% 2009 and we made money in 2010 when financial stocks were really poor as well. So we made money each full year that we were investing. So it was easy to show that. And people were really excited about making us making money in 2008 and nine. Sure. That was very challenging times. And, and anyone showing that they can make money really made them stand out in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. So now you had your funding. Now you had good, good footing in this nice big office on, on uh, overlooking Madison Avenue. What were you doing now to market yourself to get clients? Yeah, great question. So what I did after we raised the money is I stopped marketing for six months. And I said, I'm going to focus on this company and getting the performance that I know I can generate for my investors. So we launched in June and for six months, just focused on performance. We were up 10% in six months. We had great performance. And now I felt like, okay, now we can go out and talk to, because now we have audited returns for six months and you know we can go out. So we started going out in January of 2014, meeting with all those insurance companies that I had met with you know, in the beginning without, without audited returns. Now I have audited returns. And 
my prime broker was also really helpful in that they set up a lot of meetings for me. So I didn't have to do a lot of the marketing myself, but we really were a small shop. I had my CFO, an analyst, and myself. So, you know, you have to wear multiple hats. I was the chief marketing officer, the chief investment officer, and the CEO. And so, yeah, so we went out and we took advantage of my prime broker, all the networking that they provided for us, and then going back to the insurance companies as well. So that gave you a strong start into this business. Obviously, the, some of the business that grew and grew more than just the 10% that you created for the initial investors. What were you doing as the, the next few years went on to, I guess, strengthen the brand and, uh, and bring on more uh, diverse clientele? Yeah, so the other thing we did is, is late in 2014, we did hire an external uh, marketing officer to support me because to be open with you and listeners, I'm the content, right? I continue to be content even as the, the chief uh, prosperity officer at Solomore now. And so I want to develop content. So as, as a portfolio manager, I want to develop good returns. So that's what I love, you know, and that I continue to love. And if, you know, I, I teach people about investing now. So I love doing that. And so that's what I want to spend my time on. So I think it's important in any business to really understand your strengths and where you want to delegate responsibility. Uh, I'm also part of a group called the Do What You Love Tribe, a mastermind group that's going to be launching in a few months. And one of the things we we work with each other on is the fact that we're, we're all entrepreneurs and have small businesses, but you don't have to do what you don't love to do. We're a group of people where you could delegate to each other. And some people love doing business plans, me, and other people don't. And so I'm really interested in seeing what the potential is for the do what you love tribe business to be over the next three to five years I'm pretty sure most of the other people have no interest in the accounting and the revenue and expenses and the growth of that particular tribe. So delegating the things that you don't love doing, I think is important and understanding, you know, you can develop strengths over time. I don't think, you know, I view us as pliable and growing all the time, but you know, if there's something you don't love to do, I, I'd figure out, you know, how to delegate it. And nowadays, you know, there are virtual assistants, you can, you can have a small business, you know, with one or two or three people and delegate a lot to others. You, what you say is, is really true that not just a virtual assistant, there's a lot of outsource uh, people there who are very happy to, to serve as someone's department. To them, it's a, it's a client relationship, but to, the, uh, to the, the client itself, they're filling in the need of a marketing department, a graphic design department, an IT department. And as you're growing and have more funds coming in and creating different budget lines for the, to track how you're spending it, you'll end up spending less having an outsource department as opposed to all the salary and benefits you'd be paying for one or two different graphic designers to, uh, to, to satisfy the, the, the needs that you have. So there's a lot of benefit to that. And some of these mastermind groups are really outstanding. There, there are, they've developed in so many different ways and utilizing each other 
in what seems to be very conceptually a tight knit group to uh, to build and and work off of everyone's strengths really can make a, a, some great inroads for uh, for some of these companies that, that are participating in that. So, uh, that was a great point, Howard. Yes, I completely agree. You had an epiphany, as, as I think is a good way for me to describe it, at a certain point that you were excited with what you were doing, but you felt teaching was your calling and, and wanted to kind of grow in that direction. Um, Obviously, you said it didn't make your attorney very happy, and, and I assume that your clients weren't, um, it wasn't their first choice uh, with what you were doing, but um, what, tell, me, tell us about that pivot and how you um, created this new entity with, uh, and this desire for teaching and how, and how you're implementing it. I'll tell you about the epiphany first. So I went to this personal development course. I'm all about learning and growing all the time. And I, I went to this personal development course and two things happened at the course, which really changed my life and, and made me choose to move in this direction. And one was we had a guest speaker speaking about stocks and stock options. So he spoke for an hour in this three-day course. And when he started speaking about stock options in particular, he made it sound like it was a get rich quick scheme. You don't need much time. You don't need much money. This is how the rich people get rich. Options are essentially riskless. And I was sick to my stomach. I had people, this was day two of the conference. They knew I was a hedge fund manager. So they're tapping on the shoulder. They whisper in my ear, Joel, does this make sense? So after he was done with his presentation, we go outside of the auditorium. And I said, you know, please don't do this. He has no idea about your cash flow or earnings or risk tolerance and most importantly is no idea about your belief systems you know do you believe that you can become rich making investing in stock options so that happened then we also had an exercise that we had to do called obstacles or illusions and we were given a wooden board about two inches thick and we were told we we're going to break it with our bare hand now, I don't know if you've done this, Howard, or any of your listeners have, but there was a lot of fear in that room. Like, we sure. literally had to sign a permission slip listing next of kin. <laughs> they really, they made it very, a very fearful type of exercise. But we had to write on one side of the wooden board our, our biggest obstacle, and we had to write on the other side of the wooden board, our ultimate goal. And I wrote, raising enough money for my hedge fund for it to be a long-term business, you know, for doing this for the rest of my life. And then on the other side, I wrote as my ultimate goal, helping everybody in this room become financially free. And I broke that board, went home that night, and I remember I couldn't sleep three, three thirty, four in the morning, First of all, that guy was in my head. And I realized that if I could ever get up the courage to speak in front of 200 people, I could be authentic as opposed to misleading them. And see, my biggest fear in life at the time was public speaking. And I've, I've done a lot of public speaking since then to overcome that. And I have spoken in front of a room of almost 200 people uh, at a, a Mike Dooley conference. But... So that happened. I was thinking about that. And then the other thing I was thinking about is 
that half that wooden board was staring at me all night, making everybody in this room financially free. And then it finally hit me. And so I went into my office and on 54th, we had actually moved to 54th and 6th at the time. And I sent an email to my investors telling them I'm giving them their money back. I'm shutting down the fund because I had found my true purpose. And I, I know it sounds like a cliche, but it was true. I, I felt like, okay, helping other people become financially free is what my calling is. And that's my why, you know, managing money for large institutions, fun. Um, am I really making a big difference in the world? You know, managing 1% or less than 1% of the assets of these large companies. Not, not, not really, but now, and, and so that pivot was the aha moment of, wow, I really love, helping people. I've always loved helping people. And yes, I'm helping some people, but not a ton. And this is really a way to get out there and teach, teach people the truth and teach people that they can do it themselves and teach people that their belief systems matter and teach people that they can become financially free and, and uh, get them on the road to that, on the path to that financial freedom. So for one, that's fantastic. And, and it's great that you have that vision for others and the need and want to, to help them because there's a lot of people that are very confused and, and don't even know enough to understand whether they're confused or not because it's, because it's very, very complicated. I still remember my one finance class in, the, in business school, which I would say kept me up nights, but I was studying at night. I was working in baseball and, and on the subway at uh, midnight doing my finance homework that, that one semester. But what did you do to share this with those people? How are you marketing yourself now to get to be their teacher? Right. That's a great question. So I started by going back out to every, my whole network that I knew as a hedge fund manager. A lot of people came to me you know, looking for jobs. A lot of people I was clients of you know, my service providers, everyone who is anyone needs, I believe, some help with money. And I give everybody 30 minutes free. So we help, you know, for that, you know, a lot, a lot of things can change in 30 minutes, even I've, I've helped uh, a woman in December manifest $7,000 in, uh, in a few weeks after we, we talked. So things can shift in, in a small amount of time. But it's, you know, what I did was I just went out to everybody I knew and I said, hey, look, you know, I'm shutting it down. Uh, this is my true dream. And if you know of anybody, just let them know. And I, I started networking. You know, I think the big thing was, um, you know, I had been networking for my fund, so I knew kind of how to go about it. That was specialized in, you know, the companies that were looking to invest in hedge funds. So this became just another way, you know, to get out there. Um, obviously things were different uh, three years ago. So a lot of meeting in person, a lot of cocktail parties in Manhattan. Um, there's a lot of different uh, groups in Manhattan that just, you know, generally entrepreneurs, because I, I not only help individuals, but I help small businesses with business plans and growing their business and changing their mindset when things are not going so perfectly well. So all that uh, I do as well. So just doing a lot of more networking, you know, putting up the website so you have uh, somewhere for people to go, writing a couple of books. Uh, I think that helped as well. So just, you know, as, as any 
way you can to get your name out there, I think is helpful. And oh, podcast too, obviously. So, you know, I, 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 after my first book, I got on a number of podcasts. This last book, I got on even more. So, you know, I'm grateful for people like you, Howard, to have me on and, and spread the word that you can become financially free. You can change your beliefs around money. It is within your reach, no matter how young or old you are. You know, it's, it's really about the mindset. Now, you mentioned a little bit about this more recent book, but why don't you tell us kind of the, the concept of, about it and what people are, are learning from it? So the Nine Money Rules Millionaires Use was really the book I wanted to write first, but when you're starting out, visibility sometimes can be an impediment. Uh, you worry about the haters. You worry about what other people are going to think. I teach my clients, you know, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It only matters what you think. Ultimately, it does, because your thoughts become the, the things and experiences of your life. So I really wanted to write this book first, but I had a lot of fear. So The Nine Money Rules is process-oriented. It goes through, and they're unusual, unconventional, as the subtitle says. They are unconventional money rules. And, you know, the first one is uh, your belief, you know, when you believe. And then the second one is trust your intuition. So there are, some may say these are more spiritual rules that millionaires use to become financially free. There are some rules that are process oriented. I mentioned DIY, do-it-yourself investing. Um, I, you know, another rule that I have is budgeting. So there are some process oriented rules, but the first six are really what I would call spiritual rules. And so I wanted to get out there with this is what helped me become financially free and you know back in 2012 and i used a lot of these techniques when i was a hedge fund manager and people i know who are rich are using a lot of these techniques every day in their personal lives their professional lives and so let's get the word out that it's it's not you don't need to have large amounts of capital in order to become financially free. You know, it's, it's really mostly about the inside work that you have to do, the gratitude and the appreciation and the happiness, all that internal work you have to do first, because once you're there, then the outside world takes care of itself. Which is a lot of lessons that people really need and really need to really understand and explore more. And you're, you're helping them do that with, you're kind of stepping out of the pages and, and more into a, a hands-on approach with this. So what, what, what do you have that, that's, that's launching shortly to, to really be the teacher for them? Yeah, so we're starting, uh, Chara Rodriguera and I are starting a course called Peace and Prosperity Now on September 29th. It's uh, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And we're going to go through each of the nine money rules over nine weeks. The first week is free, available to whoever. Uh, I'm just going to limit it to my, my Zoom limit, but uh, uh, that's the limit. But uh, first come, first served, you know, we got a limited number of spots up to that. But first week is free, and we want to get the word out that, you know, beliefs is what's the start of everything. So that's for free. And then we'll go through each of the weeks. And people have, like, the we did the first course. This is one of my shifts during, uh, you know, the whole uh, COVID experience. You know, I, I have to be in my home. 
And so I started this course with Chara in April. We did the first time. It was a huge success. People said it, it changed their thoughts about money dramatically. They're, they're getting benefit because they realize they don't have to work so hard to be rich and successful. It's not about the, the, this. It's changing the mindset to work more smarter and more productively. And then, you know, another guy said, like, it actually cha changed his thinking about life and overall, which so I'm not going to guarantee anything, but it's I think it's a life changing type of course. And and so we're and obviously you get access to a world renowned meditation teacher as well, uh, Chara Robert Guerra. So she she's really powerful. She, she gets us into the frame, the mindset to then take in the concepts of the, the, the nine money rules. So I'm really excited to, to have that available to, to the world. Well, it's very exciting that you've obviously is, was successful the first time as you're growing it now and, and, and being some of that that's life changing can really make obviously a substantial difference with the, the individuals taking part. And hopefully that there are a lot of people that can uh, really take advantage and grow with this so that they can, they can find the, there's, there's an inner peace that comes with having your finances working for you in the right way and not having to stress over it on a, on a daily or hourly basis. Uh, at, at times that that's unfortunately that's the case for people. So being able to provide that, I think is, is, is obviously rewarding to you, but you see the, the rewards that they're getting out of the experience. That's a great point, Howard, because I tell people the number one stressor is money. And even if like at companies, right? You're less productive if you, even if you're working at a company, if you're worried about money all the time and you're worried about how you're going to make ends meet. And I know, look, a lot of people who got laid off in the last six months, a lot of people are struggling. They're not uh, generating the income that they had, you know, nine months ago. But just because that's the situation today doesn't mean it can't change in the future. So, you know, what we work on is that mindset. So you know that you can live the life of your dreams and your desires. And, you know, so that's the first step. And look, I, I, I know a lot of people are struggling, but I think that pain can become pleasure in the, in the near future. And, and we're hoping to do that. Well, it's really great that you are doing that. And I really thank you for sharing all this information with me and with the, the listeners that are, are really absorbing all this. What's the best way for them to get in contact with you in general or really learn more about this, uh, this course coming up? Yeah, so my website is joelsolomon.com, uh, J-O-E-L-S-A-L-O-M-O-N.com. Uh, my company name is Solomore, that's S-A-L-A-U-R-M-O-R.com. It's named after my daughters, Lauren and Morgan, so solomore.com as well. And anyone, feel free to email me at, it's joel at solomoresalourmor.com if you have questions, if you want to learn any, anything more about that group program, or I do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. So love, and I, that, I give everybody um, uh, 30 minutes free. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, I'll give them, you know, I give 30 minutes of coaching free. Well, great. Well, Joel, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I really appreciate it. I learned a lot and I'm glad that we were able to uh, share this with, uh, with the audience and look forward to uh, knowing that a, a, a good amount will be taking uh, some, some of the lessons, not just from this conversation, but from more than they have the opportunity to learn from you. So thank you very much again.
Thanks so much, Howard. It's really been a great pleasure. It's a great conversation. One of my best for sure. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us today. Again, another great conversation to see how a company can evolve from one place to another. Obviously, Joel, it's a number of different places that uh, with, with great successes along the way. Uh, so, and again, thank you to uh, Profit Master Business Solutions. So go out, have a great day today, and we will see you next time. This has been Small Business Marketing, then and now. Brought to you by Profit Master Business Solutions. Marketing strategy for the small business owner. To learn more, click findnewrevenue.com.